And here we have our lovely garden, where you can take a nice, relaxing nighttime walk amongst the trees. It's totally safe too, apart from the giant rampaging automata. And that concludes our tour of the facility. Well, what do you think? I mean, hey, this is really neat. Shame about the automata, but I think it, it's, everything looks great. I do have one question, though. What's behind that little door over there with the red lights? I don't think we've been in that one yet. Mm? Nope. Don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, we should be... I'm going to go check that one out. Don't be silly. There's nothing over there. Well, that sure sounds like something. Wait! Come back! Who's been a bad little bun-bun? Oh, me, Mr. Spanking Way. What is happening in here? Hey, big guy. Biting Way's the name. Need a little nibble? Yeah. <sighs> there you are! Is this a... A Loperet sex club for Loperet sex deviants? Okay, fine. You caught us. Listen, it's very lonely up here, and we're rabbits. Surely you've heard an expression or two about our proclivities. Ooh. Well, well, well damn. D- does the forum know about this? Well, well, how did you... No, they don't. Please, please don't tell the forum about this. Well, why would I do that? I'm not a narc. Fuck those guys. The fact that they don't know makes this place way cooler. Oh, thank heavens. Now, can we please leave? Yeah, sure, I'm not that into this stuff. Wait, who's this big, burly guy with the long black glove? Pleasure to meet you. My name's Fist. Okay, I'm leaving now. This episode of Storm Buds, we get a lovely tour of our lunar escape pod. Watch helplessly as people transform into nightmares and coerce Freetra to reveal the truth. Buds, storm of buds, and we're going to tell you about how we saved the world. Welcome to Storm Buds, everybody. This is the Final Fantasy XIV podcast uh, that does not take itself too seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's putting it mildly. <laughs> I am your host of light, Jerome Barbatsis, and I am joined by my co-host of light, Alexander Hambrock. Say hello. Boy, talk about whiplash. Has any section of the game we played up until this point juxtaposed quite so starkly as the two sections we're about to talk about i don't think so no no we are about to talk about final fantasy 14 endwalker particularly the uh i'd call it the third chapter i guess yeah the third chapter wherein we you know we're on the moon and then we are no longer on the moon but of course before we get into that there are exclamation points all over the map we've got to finish our side quests what have you been up to side quest wise the past couple weeks all right i got a good one this week i actually have been playing a game that came out somewhat recently and other people may possibly have heard of okay uh tell me what do you know about that game lies of p no way you're playing lies of p (laughs) yes that's awesome i heard it was good and it is great Oh yeah! Uh, explain Lies of P to the audience. Um, it's Bloodborne. It basically it's a, it's this Korean team. They made a Bloodborne. Um, it's it, it, really enjoyable so far. Like it's you know steampunk France. It's it's based You're on burying the lead. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, you play as Pinocchio in steampunk France, where puppets have been produced as like a, a mass race of like robot slaves that have then like had an uprising and killed all the people in the streets and so you're like fighting your way through them and Geppetto is like the inventor of all of the puppets and you have to rescue him and it's and you have to it's called Lies of P 
And it has a lying mechanic. Now, thus far, all the lying mechanic has required me to do is I got to a hotel and I knocked on the door and the hotel said, no puppets allowed in here. Are you human? And I said, yes. And the game was like, you just lied. Congratulations. And then I went inside. Hmm. I don't know what this lying mechanic is going to turn into. You'll have to, you'll have to report back or not. Cause maybe it's a spoiler. Well, we'll find out. But like, I mean, other than that though, it's just like, the thing is they nailed the combat. They nailed the way that it feels. It, it feels like a good sort of from soft, um, nice. like action game. It's like, it, it's a little too easy so far. I'm hoping well, it gets more difficult pretty soon. We'll find out. The big thing they got going for them is they have this whole weapon cut customization system where like every weapon has like a blade and a hilt and the hilt controls the special abilities and which stat it scales with but the blade controls the damage type and and damage level and you Mm -hmm. can just remix stuff constantly in order to like you know produce stuff like just like every weapon is actually like parts for other weapons wow the one negative and i said it was written by a korean team Mm -hmm. um I'm not going to say it's badly written because I don't even know if I can say that. I think it might be badly translated. I I think that like action, great. Visual design, great. Enemy design, fun. Difficulty level, little easy so far. We'll see. uh, We'll see if it scales up. Um, Translated stuff, especially text in the world, like little pamphlets and things that are meant to be like, come to the World's Fair exhibition and Mm -hmm. see the new puppet prototypes. All of it has that feel of like slightly literally translated from... like another language in a way that does not capture any particular flavor and i'm like okay mm, i don't know how much i'm going to care about what's actually happening in this world okay but the bit where you play it is great great especially because i just got to the first proper proper boss this sort of big electric policeman dude and um Mm. the game really really wanted me to parry him and so i learned how to get good at the parry system and now i'm like wait a second there's also a bit of sekiro in here like they really want you to use that parry and I think Sekiro is the best one of these that's been made. So if I can get good at parrying and like beat the game that way, I'm down. Cool. Well, I hope you have fun with that. That is uh, a really excellent side quest. And it is, um, I think, in stark contrast to my side quest. Oh, dear. Um, the game I have been playing has also come out somewhat recently that people in the audience might be familiar with. It is a little-known game called Chance of Sonar. Oh, yeah. I have been also streaming this on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Jerome House. It is a puzzle-like... Puzzle-like what? It's a puzzle game where you are uh, trying to decode glyphs into a language or trying to put uh, glyphs towards meaning using the context clues of the environment around you. Um, It is pretty excellent so far. It's scratching a similar Obra Dinn, Golden Idol... Itch. By the way, did you finish that shit? Uh, um, Golden Idol? Not the DLC yet, but I did okay. beat it. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Um, anyway, it's scratching a similar itch to that. The one, it has some stealth segments in it for some reason. Um, I mean, I know why it's trying to tell a certain story, and it has stealth se- se- segments to do that. They're, 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 they are, again, you know, I think I've complained about the, the, the Ocarina of Time stealth segment kind of deal. <laughs> Yeah, it's, in games, I, it's like I don't stop shoehorning these in. But why do people keep adding these? I don't know, but they are they're pretty forgiving this time around, and it's the puzzles are worth it. So, check out Chance of Sonar. Um, you can check my this stream or check our you could join our Discord to get notified when I go live. Uh, links in the description of the episode. Yada yada. Um, very pretty looking game. Very atmospheric. I yes, absolutely love the kind of. It's not rotoscoped, but it's like 
just kind of looks like it's in the process of being animated, you know? It kind of has that effect of like this. It feels like an intentionally unfinished environment. It's cool. It's got those big stark colors because like mm-hmm. every third indie game this year apparently is like based styled after Moebius. Yeah, that's going to do it for our side quest. Why don't we get into our big manly <laughs> main quest? I don't know that I described this first trunk here as manly. <laughs> yeah, well, Is Shadow's Wake is the first quest um the watcher invites us home back into the palace if you had forgotten context we just blew up zodiac also listen to the previous episode also we're on the moon important context we're i guess we're on the moon whatever yashtola thancred and uriange have made it also the watcher um is a little exerted after trying to keep zodiac not from killing us after all the brands were blown up so we rifle through their books in chronological order to learn something we, but we, uh, by books we mean tubes of liquid on the walls yes uh, uh led lights very beautiful and they contain all the information we could possibly want especially about how zodiac as he grew in strength maintenance became uh regularly carried out by these beings called loperates whatever the frick those are um and it's he noted that elidibus and pals seemed to be happy to let zodiac remain in prison while they advanced their own agenda and was kind of wondering why they weren't working to break him out more but i guess it's because i guess it's because he would have just gotten blown up (laughs) yeah anyway watcher wakes up watcher finally tells us their own sort of version of events which is um long ago there was a single world uh ethereus 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 um the the awful cry sprang forth from the earth all the creation magic's gone awry etc all the stuff we've kind of seen ever since we emmett selke was his whole version of the story um few details here it did start in a single spot but spread rapidly so that's interesting um the council began using the ethereal currents of land sea and celestial currents which ishtola doesn't know about she's interested in that and the yeah, um yeah. and the damage sprang up in the spots where the celestial currents were weak and stagnant that hence zodiac hence darkness they wanted to stimulate activity and growth uh, the goals of those who summoned Highland was never to destroy Zodiac because his existence held the world together against this, you know, stagnation that was causing this cry or whatever. So they needed to imprison him basically in stasis. Um, and then all this makes sense. They say, so then Highland sundered Zodiac herself and the star into lesser reflections to imprison him. The Watcher also is a moment here where we reflect on this and we wonder why did Hydland tell us to banish the darkness when the Watcher tells us that Hydland's plan was merely to contain Zodiac? Uh, and his response is, um, like, you know, like all beings, sometimes she says one thing and means another, which I interpreted as sort of like like a little bit of like a retcon, like sort of just like, ah, we're doing something different with the story now. Like, we need to kind of explain this. But also... Um, maybe she um maybe she meant something else entirely maybe yeah, that's ba- what she maybe maybe she meant something maybe she didn't mean that <laughs> she may she still is she wants to speak vaguely i guess because the last time she spoke i think you have a couple notes here and i'll just say it now the last time she spoke specifically it was to charlian and then they got all superiority complex <laughs> Sure, right, fair. Fucking you know. nuts. So maybe she's like being vague on purpose. A little, little cryptic. A little bit. It's like, yeah. oh, I'll f- scatter the clues about and hopefully yeah. you can piece it together. Uh, Same reason also, like, she kept the whole history of the world secret. It's why we haven't learned any of this because her creators wanted to look to the future, not just the past, as you point out here, as a primal, yeah, her willpower a, and her she's actions a, she's are. She's a primal and she's kind of, she's not completely beholden to the beliefs of her creators, but the, the, but the will of the star so much, right? 
as well. Just like how, how Zodiac kind of is. Though, yes, there is... I mean, just like just like Zodiac, there is sort of a person at the core. Um, there's still a lot... They're, they're under a lot of influence, I believe. that's Maybe that's just my interpretation. Maybe I'm no, wrong. That makes sense. I mean, last thing we ask here is, um, hey, what if the source falls to the final days, what happens to all of the other worlds out there? The other thir- uh, 14, 13? Yeah. And uh, the Watcher's like, oh, they get destroyed. So um, no no happy ending for them. Yeah, I suppose they got nothing le- to reflect. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, at that point, there's a rumble. Um, we look outside. There's these four beacons of light that are lit up all across the crater. Um, it's, he's like, um, because it turns out there was a backup plan in the event that the, uh, containment field failed or Zodiac fell, the moon is also an arc. The moon is an evacuation vessel designed to transport all of the people uh, on the source down below safely away in the event of the final days. And the water's final duty is to take us to meet the pilots of this giant arc. Well, that is exciting and that brings us to the following group of quests a helping helping hands and a hairy situation i i'm gonna be honest never in a million years would i have guessed where this is going <laughs> i thought we were gonna meet like i don't know like four or five people kind of like like the kids who were like doing all like the robot piloting in the in the one bunch of content we did i, I would not have oh I was like, oh yeah of course here are your pilots here's gary and megan and mm-hmm. steve they all have different personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not what happens. The Watcher uh, summons, resummons Argos, who we uh, learn was also a creation of Hydaelyn, uh, as sort of a, a guard, a, a cute dog, guard yeah, dog. Yeah, cute Why golden not? guard dog poodle thing. Argos is visibly glad to see us, and the Watcher remarks that that is unusual behavior for him. He goes, never glad to see anyone else who came to the moon, but also I would imagine there are only... Essians yeah, came. I was going to say, who else would have come up here? Like, Elidibus? Like Elidibus <laughs> and the Warriors of Darkness, I guess. They were up here briefly. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe Uriange before? I don't know. Uh, we ride with Argos and his reflections, carrying the rest of the Scions, to the Big Moon Palace. And uh, there's a we, we get dropped off at an exceedingly humongous gate uh, and head inside. Inside is a vast, completely stone, tile, and crystalline, multi-level atrium probably the size of the grand canyon <laughs> it's it is enormous it is like i don't know that i've been in a building this large there are it's domes. larger than the thompson center yeah it's certainly it's certainly it's like the i don't know maybe the taj mahal but twice as big the domes on the there are domes on the ground floor below and it appears that this place is empty but just as we start to kind of wonder what's going on triumphant music starts to play and a horde to two to three foot tall bunny folk start pouring out of the domes to get into formation a uh, more tanferred rabbit brings the bad news to the squadron of rabbits that Zodiac is no more. But they're pretty excited that they get to actually fulfill their purpose of ferrying the folks of what we learn of as Etheris to safety. Why did Heidelin create cute rabbits? <laughs> is it to ease our minds or does she just like cute things, we wonder? Because it's, it's, even on even on the Etheris, they associate rabbits with the moon. I, I, I love the affect of these guys. Like Just like no no emotion other than sort of like determined positivity among them. They're just like, well, Zodiac fell, but it's time to load folks up onto the onto the ship and get them out of here. Let's do it, guys. All right, cool. Great, we got a job to do. After this quest is over, the music in the area changes to a modern rendition of the town theme from Final Fantasy IV, which is very nice. Um, and if you get into any battles in this area, you get the original battle music from Final Fantasy IV. I noticed that, yes. <laughs> 
Anyway, we should probably track their leader down and introduce ourselves as people from Atheris, probably um, the delegates. We find them, and they immediately call us children because they are expecting some ancients, and they're looking for people who are, you know, 12 feet tall. And this is con- consistently, for the next like uh, few interactions, they're going to be continually confused by the fact that we are not children. Yeah. They introduce themselves as Living Way, and they introduce uh, Mapping Way and the... And the whole spiel, they believe there's nothing to be done at this point but to abandon the planet to its grisly fate. Uh, and Hyland made this just for that because Zodiac's gone and there's nothing I could possibly ever do about it and there's no solution. You're all going to die, so come with us. Isn't that cool? Uh, we go from a bit amused to very much not amused, but still impressed with what they've done. I mean, I will say, broadly speaking, the attitude of everyone in our party to this is just such befuddlement that everyone is attitude is sort of like... I guess let's see where this goes. Yeah, like, we'll just, just like, keep what? talking. To <laughs> it's like, okay, let's go with them over there and talk to, and find out what they're doing. What is any of this? <laughs> I think that's a very natural reaction. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, uh, so uh, th- they mentioned that they've had help this whole time from people from Atheris, but they've been building for thousands of years. They haven't really known about much about us, though, until very recently. Yeah, they're not from down below. They were created up here. They've lived their whole lives on the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they've, tri- they've made p- contact with the planet every time they've had maintenance, but the only finally they've only recently got in touch with some unnamed patrons. Who could they be? Okay, so we end up at this point telling them that we're not children and that all of us are this size. <laughs> when we're adults maybe some are a little bigger some are shorter there's so much about us they don't know and they start to panic they're like ah we need to redesign all living quarters make them one third the the size they are currently yeah we try to get them to tell us about who they've been talking to as if it isn't really obvious but they insist that they instead need to know about us so they take us on this whole goose change do you want to try and read this living way quote in the living way voice here the sum of sorry (laughs) (laughs) The sum total of our knowledge of your kind is contained in these pages. I thought it was abridged and made small for our benefit, but this isn't a regular-sized book, is it? I didn't read that last line, but this isn't a regular-sized book, is it? The delivery, I guess, really sells the line, and I didn't yeah. do it. I thought that was really close. Okay. I, I thought it was really impressive, actually. I anyway, okay. I like that. I, I I thought that line was incredible. It's a good line. Anyway, um, they want our opinions on everything they prepared to make sure that it's perfect for the passengers. Um, and... This is where we first start to get the sinking feeling that this might not work. Yeah. Because they take us to the Keratorium. Yeah, this is the quest, A Taste to the Moon and Style the Hero. Yeah. Um, they have been spent ages preparing the perfect food for us based on the notes that they received from the land down below. But um, they take us to the Keratorium, which is their giant kitchen space, and it's all carrots. And they ask us to try one of them, and we're presented with um, an array of carrots of various colors and asked to select one. Uh, my carrot, um, I, it was a, a yellow carrot. It was um, unusually light and springy. Um, it had excessive length and girth, mm. at, which would lead anyone to question whether it was a carrot. And it filled us with so much energy and excitement that it, the effect seemed akin to co- cocaine. Mine was red and also undistinguished undistingu- from a carrot, but it was also just gigantic and uh, misshapen. <laughs> I believe was it and we before yes so and mine did not fill me with uh quite so much energy mine filled me with a case of mild indigestion 
And so, like, a little bit confused, we we talked to them. We're like, hey, these carrots, don't get us wrong. They're great. But what if people want to eat things that aren't carrots? Hmm. And they go, oh, well, of course, we understand. You can prepare carrots in a number of ways. And we're like, yes, but what about other food? And they only got a huge volume of books recently from the land down below. So they haven't really had much time. But they don't really think that anyone would need non-carrot food at all. Anyway, on to the clothing district. Well, yeah. If only there was some sort of repository of food that someone has been preparing. I wonder who could have any of that. On to the clothing. They apparently possess a small, uh, some version of creation magic. So that's, wow, that's interesting. We ask for a custom fashionable outfit. Um, and it is a, uh, it is a level, probably 15 adventurer's robe with like an elegant mask dyed metallic green. <laughs> on top of it it's like they're making a, it's like it's like what the ancients wear but they're trying to update it so yeah. we try a few of these odd and it's like it's like it's like one of the robe hood combos the ancients wear but like the hood is in leopard print yeah and the mask is yeah like- it was really fun to see everyone running around in these on the release day uh also notably the outfit smells like carrots we go back to living way and everyone else has basically also gotten the same outfit, but Uriange is kind of into it. Yeah, Uriange isn't bad, actually. His green fit is okay. Living way is a bit dismayed that people, we, we, we let them down a little bit gently. They're dismayed that people don't just all wear the same robes and masks anymore. Um, and Yustola retorts that, hey, fashion to us is a, a form of independent expression. Uh, mean, yeah, yeah, but Thancred here finally asks a big question. Like, okay, this whole evacuation plan does it account for those on other living in other worlds at all? And uh, no, it does not. Um, people on the first and anywhere else would be screwed if the whole thing blows up, because uh, these guys they care about uh, theorists alone because mm-hmm. uh, they were made to. Heidelin made them to care for the main world. Yeah, well, that's unfortunate. That kind of that's kind of puts a a damper on that. We all split up and we meet uh, a, a, a little bat rabbit named Growing Way who's very worried that this whole plan is already kind of a bust, but we, they ask us to check out the living quarters. Um, and However, the living quarters are all under reconstruction, so we get teleported somewhere else entirely, just uh, out By of accident. control. Yes. We get zapped uh, probably conveniently close to Uriange, who is chatting with Living Way and a few others in a private audience. Uh, Living Way wants the truth and um, is is uh, especially about whether or not anyone likes what all their, their lives work. Uh, Orianche is, he's trying to let them down gently, but Living Way can just tell from the way that he is like not enthusiastically saying yes. She's like, you hate it! Yeah. Well, they, they think they can fix their mistakes and do better, but they're on a tight clock. So they ask... Um, Uriange, without letting the rest of us know, will they will he be able to go and help with the collaborators and help convince people of how great the moon is and that there's no reason to be concerned at all so that they can fix because we can fix everything. Don't worry about it. Um before we can he we can hear his answer, Growing Way rushes up to us and yells at us about how sorry he is, and then we miss we miss the big the big answer. Okay. Well, Growing Way does something he wants to show us in the next set of quests here. Yeah. All's Veil that ends Veil and back to old tricks. Yeah. Um, they've built a beautiful forest for us in the district of Ensvale. Beautiful. It's a perfect natural space. Um, <laughs> I, when we walked in, my first reaction was it looks like Camp Nickelodeon, the theme park in the center of the Mall of America. Yeah, but it's like if every tree was the kite-eating tree. <laughs> it's not called the kite-eating tree anymore. I don't remember what it was called, but you know. 
Yeah, there, there's no actual organic greenery here. It's they've built fake trees out of like iron and glass, and the pathways look like one of those play mats with the road systems that toddlers and like roll their cars on in yeah. preschool. Um, they have a water sphere they're very proud of that just dumps water out onto this like conical tiled platform. At least the that, water's real. <laughs> so uh, we're trying to be very polite about this. Growing way invites us on a nice walk through the twisted tree line pathways, and we learn more about the uh, the whole way the whole thing works. There's energy rings, there's crystals, yada yada. Um, <clears throat> We also learned that they were strictly forbidden from visiting uh, Aetherus because uh, what if the baddies got a hold of, like, the whole moon thing? They needed to basically be up here and stay in guard. So um, we conclude our pleasant walk, mm-hmm. and the rest of the science meet up with us, uh, living way in tow, and we share what we learned, and we ruminate on the following conundrum. Nobody's going to want to come up here and, like, live in this moon for however long it takes to get to the next world. Yeah. And at this point, Uriange very unsurreptitiously leaves us. <laughs> ruminate in possibly the most obvious way he could he says i have something very important to take care of don't follow me you know like, okay i guess was he deliberately inviting us to follow him probably it's gotta be what's happening here right because otherwise like it was like so it was just he so has to have learned up. his lesson at this point like don't keep stuff from us you don't need to we're your friends yeah but he couldn't just tell us because there was a rabbit right next uh, to exactly us. yeah 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 mm-hmm. although that doesn't stop him from from noticing us following him during the stupid self sequence and then like you know and then like sending us back to the start need to anytime we get caught it's too close but yes the next quest uh, we do have another brief stealth sequence. Uh, I got a hot tip that you can just fly through these. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, huh? <laughs> so if you have flying unlocked and you're doing a new game plus, that's really helpful. Thank you very much for that uh, from the last one. Um, anyway, so we after after that brief stealth sequence, he admits that he has been asked to keep a secret again. And he seemingly kind of amused reflects on all the times he's been told to keep a secret by those uh, who's uh, who had plans for him. And is it so writ on his face in his words that he is so capable of bargains that cost the lives for the cost bargains that cost lives for the greater good is he losing sight of those he loves for the greater good the greater good could he have done more to save Minfilia, Papalimo, and Mambrita? The greater good. Mambrita coming up a, a, a second time here. Like, like she keeps getting mentioned after not being mentioned for like three, three expansions. expansions. <laughs> it's like, and of course, we all remember how sad we are about Mambrita. We've thought about her every day since then. So, yeah, okay, sure. So like, okay, two theories. Either we're going to meet her parents or she's coming back, baby. Or she's coming back. <laughs> anyway, now we must now we must contemplate sacrificing the lives of those in their reflections to save the source. We have the opportunity to repeat the counsel that uh, Vreacher gave, gave us to him about holding those we love close and to trust in the decisions we make. And he kind of thanks us for that. It's like, hey, you're right. I should trust in myself and I should trust in in you guys. That's cool. That's good advice. Why did why did the dragon tell you that? Whatever, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> why Why did you hear that from him? But sure, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it came here. Cosmic fate strands in motion, important meetings, etc. Anyway, setting things straight in the heart of the matter, next quest. Um, Ariange does want to give the Loparitz a gift, which requires a very special ingredient. Come. So we follow him, he concentrates. So sorry. <laughs> we follow him, he concentrates, he summons some very special ink, the kind of like the, the Numo used down below in the first I guess not down below. I guess like off in an alternate reality quantum signature. Anyway, um, yeah. 
So at this point, Livingway shows up and tells us Yustrola needs to speak with us urgently. With us alone, us the protagonist, the warrior of light. Mm. Huh. That makes sense. We We are the protagonist. Yes, we rush back and we talk to Yostola and she's like, I didn't call for you. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Apparently, Livingway actually wanted to get Uriange alone to, again, talk to him about the plan about going below and convincing everyone to come up to the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we're told that we um, need to gather some information about the final days from a um, a guy named Runningway. Yeah, it's just a wild goose chase that we're going to skip over. Exactly. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Anyway, we we rush back and um, meet back with Uriange at the archives. We just we chase Oriange back to yeah where where we met the Watcher and then the kind of confrontation finally happens here. We we living way here is pre- preparing to send him back down below to persuade everyone to join him to the Moon Arc, but we rush up just in time so that he can let them down easily. Um, he says something to the effect of that this is a lovely Moon Arc and that everyone is. We we all know that you're dedicated to our salvation and that you are doing your best, given your mission and given the circumstances. You have been given an impossible task, and we can tell that you care. You are totally dedicated to us. You name yourself after what you do, like yeah. like like in in inspirational ways, like like mapping way embodies the spirit of adventure, mm-hmm. and putting way embodies the spirit of something Sweet else, great it's... and inspiring. Mm-hmm. What would your what would your Loperate name be? What my Loperate name? Yeah. Be? What would your Loperate name be? Oh jeez. Um I don't know, library way. You sure library li- li- organizing books way. Reading way? Archiving way? Ooh. <laughs> the archiving way. Yeah, there I'll we go. Be, I'll I don't know, I guess I'll be joking way. It'd be easy. I don't I don't take anything seriously to my detriment. Okay. I well, think it gives you a powerful spirit. Very much so. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a genuinely a very sweet speech, but the little guys are obviously processing it all. Uh, they're taking it a little... They're taking it well, but they're going through the stages. Um, and thus, Uriange procures a gift of bright blue ink to fill the rest of Living Way's cute, totally not abridged compendium and asks that they trust the people to choose what is right. Now we move forward with the spirit of collaboration. Yay! Uriange will stay behind on the moon and help the Loperates prepare just in case, while the rest of us go back and fight like heck to prevent the calamity from happening. Knowing that we have the moon arc as backup if we need it. That's fabulous. Hey, we pull out the flower and it's flower. red. It's red with blood. The Watcher calls it Elpis. Watcher creeps up behind us and we're like, hey, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he says, hey, that's an Elpis. That will follow get that that will that flower will tell you everything you need to know about her huh it's weird of her that she did that but also that is exactly like her bye and we're headed back down oh and also we still is like all right so can we talk to the charlie inform now and they're like how did you know and it's like who else would give you a stack of books (laughs) and not come up to help or anything like do anything else there's uh, there's like I'm guessing we're not really going to get into it, but also it's not like the Charlie Informer is probably sending them books on like every culture on the planet. Like I'm guessing they weren't even oh, getting no. books on like how to cook for kobolds or anything. Obviously so. not. No. Yeah. The, the, the tribes are completely messed up because there's no way they see them as people. So whew. returning anyway. home is the next quest. And what a quest it is. We teleport back home and make for Camp Broken Glass to get an update on the planet. The tempered have been subdued. Remember. 
everything before all that nonsense we got went up to the moon there was still a whole bunch of temper that we had to deal with yeah it's been taken care of off screen thank goodness there's a lot to care for and the plan is to relocate many of them to allied nations to help with the treatment boy incredibly optimistic vision of how they well, would they handle offered. displaced peoples during a geopolitical crisis they they all offered um and the and it also includes the beast uh, beast tribes i guess we just call them the tribe nations the tribal nations that are who with whom we share the knowledge of curing the tempered. So we have, I know, I know that you know Uldah does and, and Ishgard aren't necessarily nice to refugees, but maybe the tribal nations are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, this means Matoya has to turn out a whole bunch of porksies. So pretty much uh, sucks to be her. Ulysses uh, has been saved as well, but he is in no condition to see visitors. So we will revisit that NPC later. We tell her, being Julia, Julia, Ju- Lucia, Lucia, not Julia. Not Livia. Livia's dead. Lucia. Lucia. Luc- we tell Lucia um, of the coming of the final days and that we have to contact the leaders because we should probably inform them that the planet might be about to explode. Might be about to explode because Zodiac is no more. And they're like, oh, okay, I don't know about that. But uh, and also we inform uh, Lucia about Xenos and how he kind of just kind of fucked off. And we're like, all right, well. He hey, got exiled, she, basically. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, hey, update on that, speaking of. Uh, he uh, has been stripped of his title and is now been going by Xenos Viator Galvis, a title reserved for outcasts and enemies of Garlemald. Neat. Well, I, I doubt he cares. <laughs> anyway, Quail's feeling better. So we go, ca- we go catch her and the rest of the cast up uh, in the mm. whole thing. Um, and then the meeting is interrupted by Tataru, who yeah. says the forum are holding a public announcement. So we go outside to the yeah, steps we, of Frostra. We, we leave. We leave Camp Broken Glass for the annex. Sorry. Yes. It's okay. Uh, uh, yes, we're, we're back in Charlian, and there's a anna- public announcement on the steps of Rostra. Uh, the speaker announces, "Hey, the final days are upon us, and the world is ending." And um, so the forum, in a very dramatic fashion, uh, passes a nine-tenths vote to lift the enchantment on their souls that prevents them from speaking their duties. Yeah. And they tell everyone, hey, so the world's about to end and we all need to evacuate to the moon. And that's basically all they tell them. It is like, it is a 30-second speech and then they leave, leaving everyone in the crowd to be like, What? They want us to do what? I don't know. They seemed really into it. I I, I would have um, appreciated a bit more incredulity. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I From guess they, they don't immediately like start. That's my biggest criticism of Endwalker thus far. The plot is just like, there's, I mean, I guess the, I guess the Splinter Faction is us. <laughs> like, People are responding remarkably well to incredible stresses. Yeah. Like they're just like, okay, we totally trust our leaders completely. And I'm like, What's that like? I, I don't know. Look, man, <laughs> if Joe Biden got on TV and said, hey, the world's about to end, but don't worry, we can evacuate you all to the moon, I would not get in that rocket ship. No, not not one second would I think about doing that. So, you know, good for them, I guess. But uh, to be fair, if then suddenly people started, tur- you know, if starting the, the later half, the latter half of this chapter started happening in real life, maybe I would consider a rocket ship to the moon. <laughs> Anyway, um, Fortunal, for his initiative in abandoning the Dravonian colony and completely disabling that ecosystem, has been put in charge of this new endeavor complete, entirely to run away from his problems. So, um, <laughs> that's exactly. That's what he's good at. Yes. Uh, the twins clock that everything he's done that's consumed him has been for the benefit of his family. Um, they're and begin to blatantly disregard their mother's advice to really not try to best him with words. Uh, they confront him because they have things to say. 
there are fundamental truths at hand, you know, things about like the beating heart of this planet is its people. And there are those that are going to be unable or unwilling to go up to the moon. Um, That's true. Is that going to have a ramp? Yeah. (laughs) It's not really clear what the mechanism (laughs) is. Like, I guess like, oh, is this going to be that, like the ether, the etherite teleportation thing that we tested out with the, um, going to the other place, but we're going to have like, everyone's just fucking ralphing on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot like a million people up there. That'd be sick. That'd be, uh we'll see about that. That's a, that's a good idea. Anyway, um. A Fortunal's whole perspective is like, look, um, he, he's like, he mentions the whole indolence line again, and some people, I guess, just are lazy or whatever. Yeah. Um, Alice is like, no, there is another way, and we'll prove it. And he's like, he he's, that seems to hit him a little bit, but he's like, okay, do what you got to do, stay out of our way. So truce, truce, sort of. We're gonna we're gonna go or we're gonna yeah. ignore each other for a bit. We then rest at the annex, and after a brief hallucination of red flaming meteors across the sky. We get to choose a visitor as a knock at the door, and we get a list of visitors. Last time I chose good old gay Grahatia, good old Jonathan Bailey. Uh, but so this time I chose Alice because she's the best non sexual person on the team. Uh, she said, uh, she said something along the lines immediately proving me wrong, craving a midnight snack, were you? And I was like, no, you're a child. <laughs> she primarily thinks about uh, Xenos at this point and how terrifying it was that he was able to just take our body and that nobody is invincible. It was kind of a reminder that nobody's invincible, not even us. Um, so that's, you know, that's scary. So please, for the love of God, take better care of yourself. Take a bath once in a while, you smelly, smelly rube. Noble sacrifices are not my favorite thing, I assure you. And I promise you we will find a way to avert this calamity together. Very lovely scene, sounds like. Sure. Uh, I did select Rahatia. Uh, hmm. he, he knocks on my door. He's like, hey, I just wanted to talk, just the two of us in this quiet night. Horny. He's, he, he's concerned for our well-being, you know, for how much the fights have cost us so far. Mm. Um, surely what is coming is too much for any one man to bear. <laughs> he says, and I quote, you needn't bear it alone. Let me share your burden. Share the Lord. Of course. It needn't be only troubles we share. We're, like this is not even subtext at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's, it's, he's like, "Hey, I'm with you to the ends of the world and beyond." And he bids us to sleep well, and he leaves. And I'm like, "No, come inside." Ah, uh, maybe some other expansion. Maybe some other expansion. Maybe Dawn Treasure Trail will have it get there. Meanwhile, but not really. Meanwhile, actually, a bit earlier in El Amigo. The tower is gone. Yeah. People are talking about how they're not really looking forward to the refugees coming in. Hey, you were right about that, turns out. I guess, you know, it is nice that, like, all the major nations, like, are kind of run by, like, dictators who could just be like, borders are open. Folks are coming in. There's no, like, parliament. Yeah. They have, like, the, 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 like uh, uh, Donia has to get this thing through or anything. And people are like, God, ugh. And a man who is... Um, seemingly distraught and hunched over starts to he's listening to the conversation and starts to glow with a black flame weird cut to ishgard Aaronville is completing a commission from the forum again and he sees a man stumbling out in the cold a man collapses and gets back up ignoring Aaronville's questions for for his well-being he staggers away and starts to glow with a black flame Aaronville says oh that's not good <laughs> <laughs> no good that's bad and then we, bad. He, he looks up he's like oh things are about to get much worse things aren't about they to get much worse and then the map pulls up and starts to blot out with darkness over the isle of thavnir oh somebody Uh-oh. spill ink somebody spill Orianger's blue ink on thavnir skies aflame next quest ah vile beasts are appearing out of nowhere are Hell. the final days upon us cryo's like it would seem so <laughs> <laughs> cryo's like yep that's this stinks 
there's yeah. We're off to Thavnir, where the uh, skies are clouded in red and the meteors are falling from the sky, just like our hallucination. Uh-oh. Giant, horrible monsters with far too many limbs, eyes, and mouths, and possibly other things, are marauding and destroying everything. Ahuan, uh, if you remember the satrap of Razad Han, says the beasts didn't come from nowhere. People from the city transformed into them. Vritra is headed north to confront the largest of these beasts, and we volunteer to help. Hey, into the woods, it's time to go. I hate to leave, I have to, though. The way is clear, the light is good, the woods are just trees, the trees are just wood. What? Because we're, we're headed into the jungle, we're headed into the woods. Okay. Well, uh, that brings us to the dungeon Vanaspati, and I thought we would splurge a little bit this time on our dungeon recap. Um, we got we spent we spent a little bit of extra rand. And I really hope that this dungeon recap uh, mythical beast is going to convey the, you know, the seriousness and the, you know, the, the dire situation of this dungeon. Please welcome Dungeon Unicorn. Hello. Hey, hi. Great to have you. Yeah. You found the place all right? I'm the Dungeon Unicorn. I you flew up to the balcony. Did you find the right floor? I d- did I? You tell me. Is this the Stormbuds podcast recording? That's us. Yes, come on in, settle down. Great. We do coffee, tea, water. I don't drink. I need no nourishment. I am ethereal and everlasting. All right then. Thank you, though. It's much appreciated. This dungeon is Vanaspati. You can see the citizens of Thavnir turning into. Horrible fleshy beasts before they sure work, weren't they? Eyes. Don't interrupt me. That's very rude. I'm I'm so sorry. You're right. We did we did bring you in here. We want to hear what you have to say. My time is very valuable. That's a lot of rant. Jeez, yeah, Alex, come on. Let the let the let the beautiful unicorn speak. Thank you very much. Okay, I'll dial it back a little bit. Yes. Please. Now where I have to start all over again. That's going to be extra money. This is Vanaspati, where. Everything is on fire, and the villagers are turning into horrible beasts. Boy, they sure are, aren't they? That one's on me. You were very much clearly moving to go, so I'll keep going. Anyway, we make it through, and we witness a few transformations, but none quite so horrible as... I notice you didn't write the boss name down, you just wrote the word mouth. Well, I guess I'm just, I'm a professional, so I'll go with it. You fight mouth. Oh, I remember this one. You have mouths on the ground, and you must go into the closed mouths, because the open ones are going to bite you. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's how that worked. I did not get that. I just sort of luckily managed to avoid them. <laughs> they bite you. <laughs> there, it is horrifying. <laughs> there are just mouths. Very scary. <laughs> we beat that mouth boss and you move on and we look off in horror as a mother matanga matanga is that the, the i think so the mother arcasodora that's right transforms into a terrible beast and then she screams and then her children also transform into terrible beasts and we have to kill the whole family isn't that terrible <laughs> it was pretty terrible i felt <laughs> awful about it i bet you did the next boss here, it says Water Fire Roach. Hmm, real descriptive, but whatever, I guess I'll vamp. This is the, the little roach thing that does the water attack and the fire attack where you get into the water, and it's just like, what, Assian Prime? 
This one was actually pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It's not hard. Anyway, you go and you watch more horrifying, gruesome family transformations that scar you for life. And you take to the final boss, Mouth Dragon. There's a lot of mouths. There are a tremendous number of mouths. I wonder if the mouths mean something. I I think they mean that it's hungry. Hungry for worms? Hungry probably for for souls? I don't know why I made a Metal Gear Awesome reference in the year 2023, but I sure did. I'm familiar with Newgrounds, I guess. Anyway, this is kind of a Zodiac light where you just dodge the meteors and stuff and then you dodge the triangles and circles. It's fine. It it was fine. The best part about this dungeon is the music. music. Music slaps. Music's very good. Very good. Well... I've already taken my fee, and I am going to leave off the balcony. <laughs> how, how much did we pay them? They were uh, 75 rand. That's okay. That's as much rand. That's not bad. Okay. No, not it's. I mean, you know, but, you know, it's, that was, we'll, 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 we'll keep, we might keep, we'll, maybe we'll come around to them, but we might keep shopping around for Dungeon Recap Mythical Beasts. Do, do we tell Dungeon Recap Goblin that he wasn't booked this week? Like, well, Dungeon Recap Goblin didn't show up this week, so... I'm just I'm wondering if we're gonna, I'm going to get an angry email. That guy writes really angry emails. Does he? I, have, I don't check. Anyway. They're all in caps. They are. Wow. That makes sense. It says it's Shola Feared. Um, she walks up to us and she's like, what were you guys fighting? And we're like, a bunch of mouths. <laughs> a bunch of disembodied, silent, hill-ass mouths. She says, well, I can't see anything with my ether vision. So I guess these things don't have ether. <laughs> Which, how does that work? It's like as the people transform into beasts, the ether that composes them rots and crumbles away like dried mud until nothing remains. Gross. These people turned beasts cannot be saved, not by any known means. Yeah. Their souls are destroyed. They do not return to the ethereal sea to reincarnate. That's fucked up. Yeah. It's that part like, really gets me. It's like, just like, oh it's, no. There's draining out of the world like nonstop. Um, yeah. Uh, Ahawan arrives and asks Richard to please just drop the act. We need, we need a cool ass fucking dragon to inspire people. And Richard's like, no, Dragon Song War. I, I'm a little triggered by that. It probably wasn't recent for you, but I'm a dragon. So, but Richard is like, I will fight the beasts out here. And Stinian's like, I will fight with you. But while he does that, we return to the city with Ahawan. Um, and listen, I don't know, man. This whole. Uh, it feels like I, if I were in Razad Han, I would probably maybe be there would be a couple of conspiracy theorists who would be right. This feels about as closely guarded as a secret as my homosexuality. Third grader on the playground. No, I heard the satraps a dragon. My uncle is a guard in the palace, and he said that sometimes you can. See, yeah, you can hear a dragon roar, and dude, that palace is fucking huge. It is huge, and there's a big <laughs> there's room a, in the middle that no one enters. There's a fucking airy. In it's like for giant birds, I guess. I don't know. I'm telling you, they have a dragon in there. Anyway, the blasphemy unmasked and amidst the apocalypse is our next mm-hmm. set of quests. We take it upon ourselves to investigate more about what happened and what we can learn about the transformations. Tell us more about what happened. Um, well, we learned that the craziness happened almost instantly. There were screams from the bazaar and a monstrous beast came crashing through. How bizarre. The conclusion we eventually come to is that there was a group of merchants talk- talking in the bar. One of them transformed after turning into some black mist and then um, 
and then can set off a chain reaction. Uh, and all this happened before the sky darkened. The sky is dark and red and ominous right now, but uh, you could turn into a beast before the sky is red. Sky is not a not, sky is not a predicate for the transformation. Um, so we talked to the barmaid that was serving. Did you talk about the person that transformed? No, we haven't yet. We find out that it's it's um it's because it's Kazal. Yeah, the guy that was running the consortium when we first landed in Thavnir. He was real dejected. And it seemed like the last thing he was talking about was this horrible financial situation. Could this be related to his transformation? I don't know. We decide to go and investigate the place he lived in, in town. And we learned that he had an offer from uh, Jinabaha at the textile shop, Ruvida Fibers. Now it was your guy's turn to make fun of my pronunciation, because I have no clue and it's never spoken. Anyway, uh, the beast arrived there, screamed ferociously, and then a few of these employees transformed as well. Uh, it turns out that the shop had to offer to barter with um, Kaza, but they got a better offer from a competitor, so they turned him down and his whole thing was basically falling yeah. apart around him. Yeah. And Graha's hypothesis is that it's possible that his intense emotional state caused the transformation. Many questions remain unanswered, but at least we have a direction to head in. I mean, whatever. This seems pretty obvious to me at this point. Yeah. People in the depths of despair and like hopelessness are at risk of transforming into giant beasts. Causality, direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, beyond the depths of despair and that we might live are the upcoming Coestos. We report back to Yestola and the others. Everyone has learned similar stories of despair and anguish, and their transformation set off a chain reaction of panic in the others. A question we have. Why were the beings that attacked the ancients products of magic alone, while these ones arise from sentient beings? There's one difference, Alphano deduces. Our souls are sundered and theirs were not. Genuinely, I have no idea what to do with that. I assume we'll find out more about what, how that works later. Akhawan marches up and tells people that at least within the city walls, things are under control now. Suddenly, he said, yeah, he says that <laughs> immediately. immediately. Matsya rushes up with news of even more death and destruction and monsters outside at Palakistan. And an, uh, an anxious old lady... Uh, whose vocal performance here is absolutely stellar, starts panicking about her son who was there, and oh no, she starts to glow black smoke and transform. It turns out it's not safe inside the city because what's happening is panic turns people into monsters and people can panic anywhere. God God forbid Scary Sunday comes around. (laughs) We need to resolve this before the next work week starts or everyone's done. Okay. Yeah, in the ensuing combat, uh, there are I mean, villagers are just transforming left and right, and a man and his son are trying to run away from a big little tentacle tentacle man, a big a, a big, a big kind of he's like a giant chode. <laughs> I want to describe that thing. They're running away from this chode. The child trips and succumbs to his own despair, and then the giant chode steps on. Uh, the little child who is turned into a smaller chode and gets crushed. Pops him like a grape. Pops him like a grape. And then Akhawan defends the father and he's, he, his, he picks up the, the giant chode, picks his body up and consumes him entirely. Attack on Titan style. Whoop, Akhawan is dead. In um, his last words, he bids Vritra to save everyone. And Graha manages to talk down, uh, talk uh, uh, kind of defend and talk up the... Uh, well, we managed to take... We, we go fight the Chode. Graha comes out and t- talks down the guy from transforming himself um, because who would not... I mean, who, who could not be calmed by his dulcet tones? Well, and also worth, worth learning here, what we learn here is that, okay, it can be halted once it starts. Once you start, like, black smoking or whatever, you're not immediately doomed. If someone can, like, drag you back from the emotional cliff, you're not, you're, you're not totally screwed. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Anyway, Graha delivers an inspiring speech and is like, hey, everyone, it's time to fight and also flee. And <laughs> they like, pay attention to him and agree. Yeah, well, he's just so cute. We can't help but feel a little bit of hope. So our job is to go and rescue the people at Palaka's stand. That's oh, the fish stand we heard about. Oh, dear. Yeah. We, we get, get there, there and everyone is badly injured. Um, we help who we can, which isn't very many of them. Yeah. The elder shares familiar tales of carnage and transformation around the city. A sweet couple and their kid ran away, ran off away from the fighting and we should go save them. Um, uh, we do not make it in time to save the dad. We find him just dying and he starts smoking as he begs us to save his wife and daughter. We kneel down and give him a little kiss on the cheek and we <laughs> quell the process. But we still can't find nearby the, the wife and daughter. Meanwhile, in the skies above Thavnir, mm-hmm. uh, Stenian and Vritra seem to have defeated all the enemies they can find in the skies. Uh, Stenian receives on his fancy link pearl he's wearing for the first time uh, news of the situation down below, including Awan's death, and he again beseeches Vritra to re- lead the people, but the dragon still resists because um, he's a big, scary dragon. He would be a beacon of fear himself. The last thing people need is to be afraid right now. Um, Estinian says, hey, look, you know, I lived through the Dragon Song War. There was a cycle of violence and revenge that consumed both, um, both, both myself and Nidhogg. And he points out that in the end, what it took was Freysfelger and Ysail teaming up to put an end to things. And that itself was a bold and terrible risk to end the war. It was a, a kind of a large gamble, but it paid off. It was what needed to be done. And it's a good speech, and suddenly flying beasts appear on the horizon, and he's like, the hour has come, Vritra. It's all or nothing. Just like the trailer. Anyway, um, it's it, it's the game does a pretty good job of, I just want to say, rigging v- Vritra's face, giant dragon face, to show emotions. It's still a bit creepy, like, because when he finds out that Achewan dies, uh, his, his eyes go wide, and then he hangs his head. It's still, like, still a little bit Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, nyeh, nyeh. But um, it's it's good that they made an effort to do that. <laughs> yes, he's a very expressive dragon. When all hope seems lost and warm hearts rekindled hope. That's <gasps> our next set of quests. We must hurry and find the mother named Mephon. We search outside the city and find other people scrambling and save a few of them, but witness a few others transform and have to put them down. We gather the remainder of the survivors in the immediate area, but Mevon is not among them. The villagers wonder where they can go, but they're rallied by an icon, legend, and star named Resolute Civilian. <laughs> I just love her performance here as well. Uh, she and Matsya as well, I, I suppose. They, they, you know, Matsya there too. They start to recite their, their beliefs, their, the, some of the tenets of their system of beliefs, um, including the lines, Know this, my children, there is more ugliness than beauty in this world. To live is to suffer, to drink of calamity and drown in anguish, to toil and be tested always and ever. And they, in many ways and on many lines, remember that they believe that sorrow's purpose is to make the joys in life sweeter and more meaningful. That that that, that if you're not suffering, you're not really living. Uh, and that's a good thing, because living is special. We hearken to Heidelin's words to us through Kryle as well. She says, in darkness, seek joy, surrender not to sadness and see beyond despair. Walk free and bear the light for others to follow. And while we're remembering that we catch a giant ch- beast chode chasing someone. Actually, this one's not a chode. This one's, this one's another mouth man. It's chasing someone. Maybe it's Mevon. After it. I will say here, and I'm going to say this here because mm-hmm. I, I come around on this by the end of this quest line. Yeah. At this moment, there was a little bit of me that was like, 
Why are all of us chasing after one woman and one kid? Like dozens, if not hundreds of people are dying around us nonstop and the world is ending. Like, like we are, we are trying to save effectively two people during a period when lots of mass carnage is going on. And that's a little part of me that was like, this feels a little like we should be focusing on bigger things. And I'm, I'm pinning that here because I come around on it by the end. Yeah. 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 We chase after it and we see the mother. We see her. She's clutching her baby at the edge of a large pool, uh, presumably kind of like a like a ceremonial pool of sorts. They're cornered by the beast. The twins show up and they attempt to subdue the beast, but she but it fails. She tries to run away in the commotion, but she gets grabbed by the head, lifted up and thrown through <laughs> body first, just neck first into the pool. Yeah, was my reaction Jesus Christ? Your reaction like, was Jesus Christ. It's like it, it's. If you haven't seen it, it's literally it's like she's she plunges head first like a torpedo. Yeah, it's like she she she, she is, is like doll. she has velocity heading negative in the good. negative direction into the water. She is still shielding her baby from impact. It's too late for her. The moment we get into the pool after her, she, her she's dead. But uh, the baby, however, is living at the bottom, and we swim down to bring him back. Thus, we finally used swimming in Endwalker. <laughs> I was like, is this the bit that Zap was talking about? Yes. So if you were present or you listened to the VOD of our live show for Stormblood, we had a brief moment where we were like, do they use swimming in Endwalker? And then I, and then I, like, I don't know, maybe a couple seconds, I was like, oh yeah, we do. <laughs> and then people in the audience sort of slowly one by one were like, what? Oh, <laughs> How could we possibly forget? It was this part where we're rescuing the drowning baby. <laughs> anyway, we get that baby up on land. Uh, we've we, we, we've saved the baby. Uh, they're not wounded, but they seem to be growing weaker. And yeah, what, and colder. Yeah, so what she needs is just, you know, care. Mm-hmm. And so we entrust the baby to a shaking Matsya uh, while, the twin, while the twins fend off the beasts. Yeah. As uh, Matsya desperately and frantically runs back, sort of chanting his beliefs to himself, to try and keep himself from succumbing to despair, the baby begins to cry and glow with a black flame on its own. This scene is where they got me. It's this scene here, this scene so of Matsya running with oh. the baby who is like about to transform and like oh, him frantically reciting. It's so, it, it is some of the best voice work in the game. Oh my it God. It is like the, the pacing of it, the timing of it. It just, it, it, it sells you on the thing that it does is this segment especially really sells me on it is a narrow slice into what is going to soon be happening everywhere, right? It is like like soon, if we don't get this thing under control, little moments like this that are as awful as this and as like as terrifying as this are going to be happening to millions or billions of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, before he makes it back into town, he is cut off by more and more of the monsters. And just before he's struck down... Uh, he is saved by a dragon diving Estinian and Veritra. Holy shit. <laughs> this is so cool. He beseeches the dragon for aid in saving the child, and Veritra holds his terrifying, creepy eye against the baby, which seems to work. I don't know. That would probably freak me out. Dragon magic. Uh, maybe it's maybe the baby thinks he's like a, a Disney World <laughs> character or something. Or maybe it's just the dragon shielding him from, I don't know, but could could be the dragon scales. Back at the pool, we successfully fend the beasts and lay the parents to rest out in the open. <laughs> it's just like their bodies are there. And we're like, oh, we don't bury them like we did 
the others. Remember, we buried those people, and then we were just like, these two are like, they, they can lay out. Eh, they, 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 they can, can put lay out in the hot sun and just rot. <laughs> they, they get put to rest later, right? Don't they get something done to them? I don't I, think so. I feel like I remember us like it getting mentioned they got dealt with later. Okay, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but we do just leave their bodies out <laughs> in the heat. We head back into town to witness. Uh, well, we, Estinian catches up with us. He's like, "Hey, we saved that dude, and the baby's safe." And we're like, "Cool." So we head back in town to witness Vritra addressing the villagers in his own citywide address, and that brings us to the quests: simple pleasures and under his wing. The child is safe. Yes, and Vritra finally reveals himself, and his long role as satrap to the villagers at last. Just in time for Nadana to arrive and be shocked. <laughs> Although she supposes that does explain the rumors for years that the most skilled alchemists were once commissioned to secretly make a mammoth that looks like a young boy. Oh! I guess, yeah, we did make that like that child homunculus that one time. Yeah, and it looks exactly like the child homunculus that keeps visiting us. <laughs> Weird. So that makes sense. Anyway, uh, Nadana, she did bring chai for everyone. <laughs> nice. Just like, you know, just ordinary chai, it's, no it's medicinal simple, properties, no magic. It's simple pleasures that keep you from fucking losing your mind. I like a good chai, yeah. Matsya volunteers to help raise the child and teach her how to fish. That's very sweet. And with that, it's time to return to Radzat Han. Stuff has quieted down, at least, and there's about to be a proclamation, probably revealing Vricha. We round up the people, and everyone congregates in that big plaza outside of Megaduta, where Vritra's boy puppet marches out to address us. Please do not be scared of the giant dragon. And they're like, what giant dragon? And then he goes, boom. And they're like, ah! People, they're like, they're like, I told you not to be scared. And Ritra, to his credit, gives a pretty good, fairly honest address to the people about what it means to love, what it means to feel loss, uh, what it means to feel duty, and generally being unable to give up on this beautiful place and the people who live here. And hey, it works. People are willing to try. I mean, it's very chaotic out there. I would probably follow anyone who gave me assurances that they were going to try and fix this. Especially if it was a cool-ass fucking dragon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'd be like... Yeah, it'd be pretty sweet to have that on your side. But at the end of this speech... Oh, well, also, Alphano makes a nice poignant observation that Yazelle would have loved to have seen this. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, queen. Forshanel marches in rudely accompanied by a bunch of his fucking forum lackeys. What a prick. He comes with a proposal and needs to speak to the satrap. He is shocked to discover, he is shocked to learn that the satrap is in fact Vitra. It's another piece of good like facial animation. Like he's yeah. got this little brief moment of like surprise and then he like masks it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, my bad, I guess. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, okay, here's the announcement. It is the final days. We can escape on the moon. We want to save everyone. Um, are, y- are, y- are y'all in? Yeah, the camera work here is actually really cool. It, it, it zooms and pans around him as he explains everything. It's really extra, and it kind of frames him on the side as the meteors are falling as kind of like this sort of lone white figure amongst a, as, as a savior amongst a, a, a dying landscape and city. So I think that's really cool framing, and it makes... It, I think it successfully threads the line of being like showing that he's just being really self-righteous at this point because like... It's it's also sort of just framing him and himself, and it doesn't really, the camera doesn't really include everyone else that much, right? This feel this to me feels like he's sort of taking center stage and trying to be sort of this white savior. He's dressed all in white. I guess that's the color connotation that I'm getting off. What that I'm getting from here? 
<laughs> what, what did I say? Okay. You doing all right? No. Uh, while, uh, but to, to uh, his credit, he's still very eloquent and reasonable and Vritra is open to negotiations and is willing to let his own people decide about what they want to do, whether or not they want to stay or they want to fight. While they are negotiating, Nadana comes up with a theory. What are the beasts running on if not the ether of the transformed? If there's no ether, what about something else? We uh, remember when we talked all about that Akasha and that that kind of alternate source of energy, the energy of, of emotion that we've kind of observed but have had a hard time measuring because how the fuck? <laughs> what, yeah, like a fucking sextant for your emotions. <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> Well, you see, you put this ring on your finger. Mm, that's true. The negative emotions set the uh, set the energy into 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 um, it's I guess en- energy kinesis activated. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> they, they activated uh, imbuing the beast with vitality. We pull out our flower at her behest, and it immediately dissolves into ash. That's not like, great. Yeah, the vibes like are, everything are else. really bad. Yeah, the vibes are bad. The forces driving the final days might be beyond our ability to perceive at this point. Which is concerning, but we have we have a little bit more direction. So I will say here, I am interested to see where this goes. I am not personally, and like just like a general like narrative sense, like usually a huge fan of of like making emotion material in this sense. Like like in in stories that I tend to find kind of like a little underwhelming, it can be a sort of thing where like the flip side, like right, right, like if people are feeling despair. And if despair is what transforms them into terrible beasts, then obviously the way to prevent this would be to to fill the people with hope, right? To fill their spirits with hope, and that will prevent things. And like... But hope is not an action. And like, it's, it's just like, I hope that like... The, the, I Blah, blah, blah. I, I am wishing that the story is not going to like just have hope be praxis, right? Like sort of like, oh, like the only thing you need to do is make the people feel as if they are inspired and hopeful and that will create like a firewall of positive emotion that prevents the negative change. And then and then everything is fine. Exactly. Like I, I'm, hope, I, I'm hoping that it is a bit more has to actually, like the people need to do a bit more and to be a bit more active yeah. in the actual salvation of the world. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, well, yeah, there's a, that there's, that this isn't just like the way things are and that the, the that that there's actually some sort of maybe an agent causing this or well, some sort uh, of like more more like I, you, I, I'm you? ranting about the end of that one season of Doctor Who the David Tennant season you know the one with Martha yeah where like he gets turned to like a little old dude in a cage and she spends like you know like a year on earth like channeling people to be like the doctor's the most amazing important person in the world and if you mm-hmm. all believe in him then he'll That's come back to life peter and pan, rescue yeah. us peter pan exactly yeah I, i'm hoping i'm hoping there's more going on here than like everyone clap to bring tinkerbell back mm, okay yeah um that's certainly that would suck i think that's uh i think that's an interesting perspective here especially because we don't necessarily know if it's not like there's an emmet selk going around taunting us mm-hmm. kind of i mean we'd had one ben daniel he's gone yeah at, at, at this point yeah, i guess that's true like at this point what is causing this is it a natural process is this world just like at its end is there some kind of malevolent force behind this sure yeah. yes what is going on I, lot, I don't know i think i think that in so many ways you said i don't know what's going on <laughs> this could be really a good thing or it could be a really bad thing <laughs> 
Um, but I think that we will uh, continue to learn more about what the fuck's going on. And uh, did we? Do, no, we didn't cover this final quest. Okay. Anyway, that uh, the last quest we have here is the quest at World's End, um, and we receive an invitation to speak with the Radiant Host. This is kind of half important, half not. But the first part of this is just that like they're introducing the concept of the roll quests at this point. So now that you're level 85, you can do roll quests from 85 to 90. Uh, it's a little different than Shadow Ringers. You do not need to finish all the roll quests for completing this, but we may revisit them in our semi-regular Final Fantasy trips to Final Fantasy 14 land. Um, or we might just like do a whole episode. Probably if we did like a whole episode on them, that would be, that would be fine uh at some point in the future but given at given some nebulous point in the future yeah like given how the game releases content in like six month patches we'll have plenty of time to take breaks from final fantasy 14 and come back to it um when when the mood strikes us uh but more on that in the future anyway so we will not completely we will not be completely forsaking I mean, we're not completely forsaking any content here Right. I mean, we might even go back and do an episode on Eureka and stuff and other stuff we skip, but like not for quite some time. You have said that you do not want to immediately cover the Endwalker patches, and I am very curious why that is. And we'll. They're pretty. They're. They're. You. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I could explain it, but I'm like. No, explain it later. Like, I want one of our final conversations before we wrap the whole Endwalker thing to be you telling me why we're not going to do I think they might make for good episodes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. um and that's when we need breaks though yeah and also uh, this is maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves so roll quests we'll cover those later probably um after that we get to the bar we get to a beverage of our choice i got a glass of water because i'm not in the fucking mood to get jolly or depressed with alcohol you know one of those two things might happen (laughs) if i I get too drunk i'll probably turn into a beast i got some chai the chai was good 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 okay well um Alice does what you think and suggests we just start getting proactive. <laughs> yeah. You can't just tell people to hope and hope the problem will go away. She says, hey, what if we're, we need to proactive? Who would possibly have any answers? Well, fucking Heidelin, but she's been pretty sparse on details at this point. Her flower's fucking gone, so we don't have a way. But then we remember, oh, the flower, right? That flower called Elpis. Should we look into this name? There weren't any mentions, but like, if that's a mention, if that's a name that was common in the ancients, we would probably have maybe heard about it from Anadar or something or, or, or the, or the hell Emirat or whatever, but none of it was there. Emmett Selk didn't mention it. Um, Elidibus didn't mention it. So, and there's not like there's any ancients left or aren't there or aren't there. Graha reminds us Elidibus's soul isn't quite gone. It's just being slowly returned and siphoned into the ethereal sea via the crystal tower on the first and as it's an unsundered soul of an ancient that process is going to take a while so maybe just maybe if there is any remnant of his soul in there we can recall it and ask i mean hey look as an excuse to like go back to the first i'm all into this yeah i do wonder why we don't like sneak back down into the underground zone in charlie and pick another flower but well maybe we don't need to at the very least we can check on the first to see well also we're fucking banned <laughs> check oh, we could get in they're watching they're they're watching us we could be frogs again we could be frogs again uh we could check on the first to see if the if there's any mention of the final days in the crystal tower we rally our spirits and have a brief brief respite before we joy, journey into the first once more um there's a line at the end here i forget yeah. i forget who says this i think it's Thancred. 
Oh yeah. Maybe it's like the, the one of the final lines we end on is um that's why we're fortunate to have Orianje up on the moon working hard to make all the necessary preparations for our departure should it come to it. And I was just like I want to take this back to like me circa oh, recording episode 1 and be like, "Hey, do you have any idea what this context might mean?" Of course not. But then you would be thinking about that the whole time. I would be thinking about it. I just would have no idea what to make of it. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, you would see clips of the moon from a Lidibus's point of view. You'd be like, oh, why is Orianje up there? And maybe, I don't know. I want, yeah. Is Orianje secretly a Lidibus? Well, I got did, the hood. I did spend good chunks of this game thinking Orianje was secretly evil. I'm, yeah, that's what they wanted. Well, that's going to do it for this chapter. The next chapter, well, you guys know what's coming. You guys know what the fuck's coming the next chapter. You guys fucking know. You know we can start playing this soon. We can start playing this weekend. Yeah, we probably should. Probably. I mean, I got an episode to edit, but um, we are going to cover that that the next set of quests, eighty six to eighty seven, I guess. Whatever. Whatever. Who cares? Of Endwalker, and um, that's going to be really, 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 really exciting for everyone. But of course, we don't fucking run on charity. We don't run on fucking love and hope. We're beings of despair. And we need money. We need material goods. So let's go to the market board. All right. Okay. Who are we so, sponsored by? Okay. So uh, sign us up for a new service. They're going to give us like some uh, some ads every week on a regular basis. Should smooth things out. Should make it a bit easier for us to have regular sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, including, I think this week, um, I just got the email a few minutes ago. We're sponsored by uh, another podcast. Uh, oh, okay. oh, um, another Final Fantasy fourteen podcast. Okay. Um, oh, their their name is the Market Board. I, I so same as our segment. That's a bit. Let me, the copy here says. Join Arthur and Jeremy every week as they talk you through the in-depth, uh, up-to-date news on the Final Fantasy XIV economy, trading strategies, crafting um, priorities, and other in-depth, and other in-depth information. Each two-hour episode features plenty of skits, jokes, and segments, along with hard-hitting financial advice. Does that sound? That sounds dope. That sounds dope. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Should we should we hit these guys up? Yeah, we will probably do a crossover event. I think with Arthur and Jeremy um, at some point. Like I think you know, especially as we get post like MSQ and spoiler and stuff, and like you're all caught up, we kind of do whatever. We can just like have a general topic and then invite guests onto the podcast, right? Guest buds. Yeah, exactly. Should I go like shotgun sixty hours of like trading content to understand how I get on top of the economy? I, yeah, that would be that would actually. Um, maybe that would be, you know, I'm not going to say good for you, but I think you, <laughs> I think you would be successful. <laughs> you think, if I... I think you would be successful at this. <laughs> if you really put your mind to it, I think it would be very successful. Honestly, I'm amazed they're giving this away for free. I'd expect to pay like 20 bucks, uh, like for a business course like this. It, this has, there has to be something like this, right? That's us. That's us. <laughs> mostly just mog talk i didn't know there were other recap podcasts i don't want to know about them that makes me insecure no it's fine we're just going to assume that they're doing a completely fucking different thing right people who talk about like the live content on like a weekly basis like new patches and stuff like that hey i'm cool uh, with listen, them like pod return to the waking sands is up on episode 50 no they're on episode 73 and they've taken 
Oh my God, they're still in a realm reborn. What? They've taken, they're going, they're doing something completely different, okay? They're doing a deep ass dive and they're going into the tribe quests. They're doing fishing. <laughs> oh, okay. I, look, I like this game. I could not have done that. <laughs> no, I don't, I still, I, I, I've done that and I still can't have done that. <laughs> So go go give them a listen. Maybe we'll I'll pitch I'll pitch a guest episode where I fuck shit up. And of course, <laughs> go there. listen to the Market Board. The guys were sponsored by this week. Oh we- yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's gonna do it for <laughs> this episode of Storm Buds. Um, you can check the link in our description of this episode to join our Discord, where you can get notified of our live events, of our uh, of our dungeon runs, of our trial runs. Um, maybe we'll do some fun community events after Endwalker comes out, and we don't have to write a 12-page book report every week. <laughs> every two weeks. Uh-huh. And we can actually just play this game for fun with you guys. Um and other I sorts start of fun notifications. I just added a bunch, a bunch. I just added a few really good uh, emotes. So if you're a Discord Nitro user, you can get some cool pixel emotes and also an emote of the Asahi Bowl to use um, wherever <laughs> you want, <laughs> which may be nowhere. But um, I'm sure everyone will get that joke. You just drop into a random Fortnite we had, Discord. We titled an ep- yeah, yeah. We, we the, listen. If they don't know about the Asahi Bowl, they don't. They they're missing out. They don't know. They don't know. You're doing them a favor by sharing the Asahi Bowl with everyone. Um, and also, I've been posting. I mean, I, I posted, and I'm gonna keep. I got plans to post more on our TikTok and Instagram. So follow us there for little clips, little clips, little little funny bits. Little f- any little jokes and japes pull out of the episodes why am i vamping for time we're at 85 minutes of recording wrap it up yeah we gotta wrap this up no more vamping okay well i love you (laughs) wow (laughs) is that how that comes out (laughs) and until next time born from buds storm of buds we've been the storm buds baby Love you too. Bye.